You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode six of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. We've got a few updates uh, that really aren't very much updatey. Let's put it that way. Uh, we are still working on finishing up our Patreon setup uh, and getting our merchandise page ready to go. The RSS feed is up, and I say that in kind of a wish-washy way because we're still running into a few issues with uh, iTunes. Uh, we're waiting some for some information back, and we will get an update to you as quickly as we can. Uh, but for now, you can still go to Podcast Detroit to hear us, or you can go to Google Music, uh, Google Play Music, I should say, and look us up there, and we have our stream, so you can subscribe there as well. Um, we do have that show notes and links uh, now in the Discord. So as we talk about things here on the show and we want to share those items with you and those links that we can't ramble off at high speed, they will be there for you. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's show six, Sarah. We're we're doing this. We're hip deep in it now. I know. I know. I think the part that got me was when I realized I saw the number six, I was like, oh, we're past the golden four. Right, which right, right, we, right. For those of you who are new to storytelling, which is funny today that we're getting to this topic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, sh- the, the golden four for me is once you get past your fourth session with your players, there's a good chance it's going to keep going. But it's getting past that fourth session. I don't know what it is. Like, and you can't <laughs> rush that fourth session. Like you, We you, damn near had a party when mine got past four. Oh, yeah. You were like, oh, my God, Sarah, it actually <laughs> happened. You have a campaign now. Exactly. Like, <laughs> shit's getting real. But And then you watched, like, did th- this new player who just joined, will they make it past their fourth session? You know, you look for that moment. And I know there are people who are listening right now who are like, no, that's solid. That's solid. Four, four yep, is solid. Yep, that tracks. Because you're thinking like three. No, no, three is chancy. One, you know, one shots are one shots. Mm-hmm. Having two, mm-hmm. sure. Once you get to three, you're like, okay, this is getting serious. That fourth one is always the question. Yep. After three, people start to flake out on you. Mm-hmm. Scheduling concerns start coming up, yep. and all of a sudden, no, oh, it's oh, I got, I got childcare. Oh, I can't. I've, I work on Saturdays now, and. Yep. Or, or you no, get a holiday all, in yep. there somewhere. If you're doing exactly. month to month, you're inevitably going to get at least one holiday that throws you off mm-hmm. or a birthday or a it's party. It's always something. It's always yeah. something. That's, that's honestly what got me out of tabletop role-playing for a long time and into Warhammer. Oh, yeah, because it's, it's dropping. Warhammer, you play for an afternoon, man. Everything's a one-shot, you know? You play for an afternoon. You play for an afternoon. An afternoon. An afternoon. Your mission in Warhammer can last, like, the afternoon and well into the next day. Fight me, Rob. <laughs> Preferably on a six by four table <laughs> with two thousand points of troops. Are we playing? Are we playing fantasy or? Oh yeah, fantasy is all I do now. No, no. Yeah, See yeah. all those little blocks of dudes. That's just crazy. That's just crazy. No, are you kidding me? That's what speeds the game up. You move one block of troop instead of twenty individual tyrannids. No, no. See, see, just give me, give me like six guys in a squad. Spread out okay. over a whole city. Okay. I will take you down. Okay. All right. All right. So let's let's talk about this getting started at a storyteller. Now, 
I know when you were creating some of these notes because it was something you were super interested in. Mm -hmm. One of the first things you put in here, I said this one line that you put in here is a show on its own. And oh we're yeah, gonna yeah. Just we're literally going to say this and then we're going to walk away. <laughs> we're literally walk, drop it and walk away. And that is when you're going to start a game. There's usually two ways that it goes. Either someone finds you, like you've already been with people, and they're like, "Hey, you need to tell a story because you tell good stories." And now there's that, or you have an idea and you want to run a game. Mm-hmm. So you have to find players. And literally in just saying that, there's – we could go on for three shows. Yes. That is that is an, at least an entire show itself, selecting your group, <laughs> having – you know fi- how to find people nowadays. How to watch out for people. How to, and how to watch out for – yeah, wh- who, who you want in your group and more importantly, who you don't want in your group. Yeah. You know, that for sort of you, thing. I mean, and, and and really, how to deal with different archetypes of people? Yeah, I think you're gonna you're gonna end up with different categories of. You see you know, what we're doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I so see. so we're just gonna say this: three to five is a good number. Let's just leave it at that, and we're gonna step away from the no, from, from <laughs> yes. that. We're just gonna walk Th- away from three that. Three to five <laughs> players is a good number, and cut. That's exactly. it. That's the All whole right. show. All, All right. right. So, what's the next part? Where, where, where do we go next here? <laughs> okay, so. You want to be a new storyteller. Yeah. First, find some friends because yes. you're not going to sit there and play by yourself. That's called writing a book. That's right. So three to five. Three to five. So three to five players. <laughs> um, second thing you want to do once you have those friends all together is you need to pick a game system because oh obviously you've got to play something. And we've talked about this on the previous shows, like what systems have certain merits and feelings and settings. Yeah, our entire first show was more or less dedicated to uh, the, the merits and flaws of different game systems yeah. and how those kind of play out on the table and such like that. Um, but uh, there was an aspect I don't think that we really discussed a lot at least and that was the kind of difficulty level of different game systems to run oh you mean like Uh, spreadsheets the game (laughs) (laughs) spreadsheets the game or uh or this is a advanced therapy session the game Um, so there are really kind of two types of games that you want to look out for, um, and those are rules-heavy games, mm-hmm. and those are like deep intrigue and emotional involvement style games. So um, I'm going to name a couple names here. Sure. So we'll throw out a couple games that I – mean, and, and look, if th- these are suggestions. If you're a first-time storyteller and you're sitting there clutching onto your GURPS book right now <laughs> going, fight me, Sarah <laughs> – uh, and you're like viciously tweeting at me right now. That that's fine. That's fine. Run, run GURPS. Run, run GURPS. That's fine. Um, but I don't think GURPS is good for a first time storyteller because it is very rules dense. One hundred percent agree with you on that. I, I, I also want to add that my boyfriend is at home having an aneurysm right now <laughs> because I'm talking shit about GURPS. You're not, but you're not talking shit about GURPS. What you're saying <laughs> is is that GURPS is is. What is the first letter in GURPS? Generic. Exactly. And that's the problem is, is that you don't start with generic. It's it's the same reason why you don't take someone who's dabbled in Windows and say, oh, by the way, here's command line Linux. Enjoy yourself. Right. I hope you know, you're Microsoft A plus certified. You know, like. That doesn't even help you there. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously. So I, I love GURPS as a system that is generic. It is, it is the – how do I put it? Like the – the dice heavy do whatever you want with its system, right? But that, but that's that's honestly the main problem with it, and that's why I'm calling it out. Yep. My not for first time storytellers is nope. because it is a generic system that's that tries to do everything. Yep, yep. And it's designed to be modular in a sense where mm-hmm. you only select the rules that you feel you need to play your game with yep. because it is generic 
universal role-playing system. Exactly. But that also makes it you, – you, you kind of need to know all of the rules so you know which ones to use. Right, And right. you know which ones you're working around. And even the rules I think that are there, at least in my experience, I, I, I feel it's very rules-dense even if you do try to play a stripped-down version of the game. Right. I mean, um, you've also got like White Wolf, which kind of has a little heavy hand there in in its rule system because you've got not just one world there either. You've got Vampire. You've got Werewolf. You've yep. got Mage the Ascension. You've got Scary Shit in the Dark, <laughs> the book game. They're, they're all Scary Shit in the Dark book games. <laughs> so, I mean, but each one of those, like if somebody says, hey, I'm running a vampire game and mm-hmm. one of your players is like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be a werewolf. You kind of give them that glaze of, oh, crap, do I need to buy more books and learn? Mm-hmm. And the short answer is yes. Yeah, the short answer is yes. Um, so I, I, I would I would caution against White Wolf. Um, if you're going to run a single a single genre setting of like just vampire yeah. and like just core vampire and no, you cannot play a fourth generation Samisi, uh, yeah. uh, La Sombra hybrid that's – you know, just yeah. keep things light if you are going to dabble in White Wolf. But I would say that's probably the more forgiving of the two. Yeah. Uh, and then – so let's, let's, let's talk about what they should do. Like, okay. I think okay. D&D 5th edition is good because there's a lot of good resources. There's a lot of good parts that make it simplistic. Mm-hmm. You can play with – I mean they came out with an adventure module. Yeah, yeah. It literally absolutely. is a box, buy it and go play a damn game. Mm-hmm. Like that's simple. I love that. Um, you got uh, what? Warrior, Rogue, Mage. Is that right? Yep. WRNM. Warrior, Rogue, and Mage. I pimped that out in our first. Really, uh, really simple rules. Like super simple. The entire rule book is free and ten pages long. Yeah, and, and I think ten pages because it's really well spaced. No, ten pages <laughs> because there's some charts and oh, some that's artwork. Right, that's right. That's right. That's right. It's like one whole page dedicated to the weapons chart. Dungeon World. I learned in mm-hmm. one sitting, and like. It was more complex for me to learn it because I was trying to attach it to D and D, and that was a mistake. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that was that was a. I think those are are good. I think the fantasy setting as a whole, it is good to go uh, go toward things that you can easily find. If there's resources there or adventure starts or predefined stuff, mm-hmm. go that direction. Don't make it challenging for yourself on, on picking the system. Yeah, definitely. So. And I would definitely say, um, you know, if you're looking to go fantasy too, uh, I, I would highly suggest something like D and D Fifth Edition over Pathfinder. Um, and and that's only because I know Rob, Rob is hemming and hawing at me right now. No, I'm I'm hemming and hawing only because of the fact that I I'm probably going to agree with everything you're going to say about Fifth uh-huh. Edition. But I'm not saying that Pathfinder is not a good alternative choice only because there are great resources for Pathfinder as well. Not as good. I mean there's – I see your face. I see your okay. face. So my counter argument to that sure. is I feel like if you pick up the player's manual, you should be able to learn the game and not need external resources to explain to you what the hell is going on in the player's handbook. It's hard. Uh, I win, and you know it. Uh, okay, I'll I'll accept it. I'll accept it. All right, I'll all right, accept all right, it. All right. I'll accept it on that one. D and D fifth edition is went out of its way when they redesigned that system to be very newbie friendly and very welcoming yeah. to first time gamers. So, um, and and they did it well. Yeah, they did it. They did it very well. So I I will continue to fly that banner. And I am going to throw a huge uh, side piece to this. You ready? Okay. The new Battletech Quick Start is incredible. There's nothing to say you couldn't run it in that game system either. 
If you want to do giant mech role playing, you can easily do it. You could That's have a whole campaign. True. The only the only counter argument I would have to BattleTech as a role playing system mm-hmm. is that it's really more of a strategy tabletop game than it is a role playing system. Well, even think- even back in back in its heyday when I played it uh, a lot in high school, right? Um, it was you weren't you weren't playing BattleTech as the role playing game. You were playing Mech Warrior was the role playing game. I agree. And that was all the out of the and out of the mech stuff. And they, I don't think they've redesigned any of the mech warrior stuff. I think it's just the battle tech rules, right? Um, pretty much. But I would say, as rule systems go, mm-hmm. they've really got amazing resources and a single book. Yeah, you sure. can't beat that. Sure. No, so, I'll give you that. But again, it, it, it hits far, that same. Far be it for me not to suggest people play battle tech. I because. understand. <laughs> after after the what uh, six and a half hour session? Oh my god! At least, so yeah, great. that was great. That, that was, was very so fun. Great. All right, so now we move on to what do you need? And this is where I stepped in. Uh, Sarah had written some great notes on this, but the first thing I thought to say was, if the book doesn't call for it, don't go overboard. Mm-hmm. Like start at the beginning. Look at the beginning of the book. The beginning of the book will tell you, hey, this is all you need. A couple sheets of paper, some pens, a couple of dice. Exactly. Go with that. Now, I, I am going to pull out and – and I warned Rob I was going to no, do go. this. I'm going to pull out my, my walker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull out my <laughs> AARP card and, uh, and I'm going to go all back in my day on you. That's and right. uh, back in my day, we did not have a printer. Nope. We didn't have the internet. We did <gasps> not have PDF files we could download. We didn't even have reliable access to a copy machine. Without having to try to sneak it at school or something, I had or, to go to the library uh, even, with even a quarter before, and yeah, print stuff off. <laughs> quarter feeded copy machine in the library to photocopy the character sheet out of the back of the book. If you had a book, if you had a book, yeah. okay, we would write up our own character sheets on loose leaf mm-hmm. paper with a pencil. Okay, so when I say that you don't need a lot of stuff, no, do not go overboard to play your game. Understand that I mean that in the most extreme sense. Yeah. If you have loose leaf paper, uh-huh. if you have a notebook, yep. a pencil, yep. and literally one set of dice that the table can share as needed, you have everything you need to play that game. Yep. Preferably a copy of the rules. It's good if everybody has a copy so that they can reference their yeah. own their own rules, but that's not that's not a must. Nope. Nope. At all. Um and you know, a lot of these things can be digital nowadays, so you don't even have it as hard as Rob and I did right. back in and, the day. And on your fourth game, you can go out and buy that bottle of Crown Royale and have your own bag. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> everybody's, everybody's first dice bag. Everybody's first dice everybody's bag. Everybody's first dice bag. So Mine was Captain Morgan Private Stock. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah, yeah. That's a ap- good bag. It was an apology gift for someone that uh, that, that cheated on my uh, – uh, that my girlfriend cheated on me with. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They were like, "Sorry, that happened." Here's some liquor. Here's a, here's a bottle of expensive liquor. That's not even that expensive. Like you could have got, they, they could have done so much better. Oh, whatever, it tasted great. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, moving along. So stories. Let's talk a little bit about what you should tell. And now, uh, for me, I say that my brain works way too fast. I get creative. I start doing things. I start writing all this kind of crazy stuff up. But in truth, you don't have to do any of that. I, if I'm going to tell someone to start something, I would say grab something pre-made. Don't go over the top with it. You can add your own flavor. You can add your own spin. But you can get deep and loopy and convoluted and red herring filled and try and do all the crazy you know, uh, Game of Thrones type of shit. And it, it could fail in your face. 
You need to learn who you are in telling a story before you get in. And even for existing storytellers, when you're beginning a new story, Mm -hmm. there's no reason why not to start out with something basic, something simple. And then once you're in and you know your players and who they're playing, they know who they're playing. Because a lot of times you'll get into a game. As a storyteller, I can say I have known a number of times where players have come to me and say, I hate this character. Can I change characters? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, if you've invested story into that, well, you know, there you go. Gone. All yeah. right. What, what's going to happen? Right. So. I mean, like, and, and, and like take, take, for instance, my, uh, my, my game that we're all in right now. Yeah. I mean, what was our first session? It was we're going to a dungeon to yeah. collect a thing from the dungeon for yeah. the people who, uh, who are our, our direct superiors. Typical dungeon run. And I, I told you guys flat out in, in, you know, out of game, like this is a milk run. Yeah. This is designed for you guys to get to know everybody. Don't look for deep plot hooks here. Nope. Don't read conspiracy theories into any yep. of this. I'm telling you right now, this is a get-to-know-you game. And you just used a term that probably a bunch of our, our listeners won't know. Milk run? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually a shadow run term. And almost every – if you read shadow run and, and to tell stories in it, the first thing they tell you to do is run a, a milk, milk run. run. Yeah. As in, <laughs> as in running up – it's as easy as running to the corner store for a – gallon of milk now you know it's not going to turn out that way and of often men, many people die on milk runs no, but <laughs> it's gonna go it's gonna go to it's it's, it's it's gonna go you know boots up immediately yeah but, I, uh, I heard where you're going with yeah, that yeah. i totally <laughs> good good job keeping the uh explicitive downs but i don't even think that would be it uh, although that might nick us on uh on itunes but uh yeah anyways yes so it's, just uh, keep it simple keep yeah. it simple keep it simple um the uh the other thing is uh don't don't be afraid to improv you know um it's it's really good to prepare stuff i i myself am a very you know prepare everything um you know prepare everything sort of person i i have pages upon pages upon pages upon pages of notes that i write incessantly about yeah. everything but even i like last hell last game session we played just this last saturday yeah um i was like okay well they could either do this or they could do that or they could do this. And I've got all three of those contingencies written out. And guess what they picked was option number four. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that is definitely an option for them to pick that I didn't think of. Yeah. So I guess we're just going to improv the whole middle of this story. The the whole thing that your players mm-hmm. in the end will always pick possibility Z. Yep. When you give them one, two, and three. Yep. So do not be afraid to improv. Now. Yeah. When you are writing things, yep. when you are writing things, the most important question you can ask yourself, Rob. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think that it's it, it's important and I think um, Chris, when he was on the show with us, talked about it with NPCs. Yes. There yes. needs to be a reason. If mm-hmm. you know the reason why – this is there or why this is going on in the scene mm-hmm. that's perfect yeah. because that gives you that drive you'll always remember it sure and it doesn't let your players go well why did he just throw 30 goblins at us mm-hmm. you know why there's 30 goblins there you know it's you have that answer in your head yeah it, may, it makes for a more a more cohesive story so like you know for instance like we've got a couple notes j- jotted down here yeah. um your milk run is perhaps that uh, you know you're all in a tavern, and the mayor says, "Hey, I need some adventurers to go kill some goblins in the local the local dungeon." Right. Okay, that's simple. That's a great first 
mm-hmm. game yep. of just you know you're you're going to get to know your players. It's a very clear cut goal. Yep, you're you know exactly what's going on there. But what you should be doing when you're writing this stuff down is just just ask why a couple times. Okay, why are there goblins in the dungeon? Right. Why are do they live nearby? Do, do yeah. they did did they move in because someone shoved them out of another area? Is there something in that dungeon that they want? And be prepared for the possibility that w- you may have that in your head and mm-hmm. you've got a good reason of why they're there. But strangely enough, your players will also come up with reasons because you haven't explained it. And you might be like, you know, I like their reason a lot better because it makes way more sense than what I was thinking. Yep, yep. So you're like – you know, like, yeah, you've got these goblins in this dungeon because they came from a deeper area and now they're, you know, they came up into the dungeon, you know, through this crack that you had because, you you know, you just saw it in the dungeon map. And then while you're doing this, your players go, oh, no, we fought those trolls up the hill. Mm-hmm. They, have the, they must have pushed them out of the foothills. Oh, so that's why these guys are here. And you're like – yeah, 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 that's totally why. That's these- absolutely it. I, I mean, masterfully crafted that yeah. whole thing Ooh, on yeah. my own. <laughs> Thought of that. That will happen all the time. You will always have <laughs> times when your players come up with the weirdest things about plot, and you'll be like, you know, that that makes way more sense what I wrote down. So don't be afraid to accept some of that. So that you can incorporate it because it's already in their minds. Why not run with it? That way it's a shared experience too. And you don't have to tell them that you're stealing it. You don't have to tell them you're even using that. You can just keep watching them and be like, yep, yep, I'm going to go down that direction. That's the way I'm going to take this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make that work because inevitably it makes for a good story. So you get the – you have to be prepared to have a world that is cohesive, relatable, and realistic. If it doesn't make sense to you why they're there, it's never going to make sense to your players. Mm-hmm. Now, the other the other piece of advice that I will drop in um, is probably the second most important thing you can say next to why, and that is yes and. Oh yeah, I do. Okay. I do like now that. this is an old improv thing, and um, what it essentially means is when your players do something, and it may seem goofy, it may seem off the wall. Don't say no. Say yes. And continue the story. Right. Um, so let me give you a quick example here. Um, my game, uh, the party rolls into a major city, and I had already kind of scoped out like what some of the the the, the well, kind of like the main tavern of the place was going to be, and I figured they're just going to walk in. They're going to be like, "Well, we go to the tavern." I'm like, "Okay, cool. I know what that place is." Right. Mm-hmm. I had the innkeeper and everything like that written down, and they walked in. and They were like, "Nope, we're not going to stay at that inn." We want to stay somewhere more inconspicuous on the low end side of town while the party's resident asshole noble decides I am not staying in that commoner inn. I need to appear like a noble in all ways. So I am going to stay at whatever the the, the place that the visiting nobles stay in. Yeah. Now I need to come up with two new inns that I did not have written down on the yeah. fly. So the first inn, I pulled up a random in name generator, I think. There's a random like random name generator.com or something yeah. like that. And they I flipped through it a couple times, came up with something neat and on the fly kind of built a a high-end tavern <coughs> off of that that was this like luxury suite place. While I'm doing this, the party the, the, the end of the party that decided that they were going to stay at the low end place have been powwowing at the other end of the table. We were. It was terrible. And announced to me 
with mischievous <laughs> grins on their faces that they are going to be staying at the Surly Girl Scout Inn. Yes. Now, I my eyes rolled so far back in my head I saw my brain for like a hot second because yeah. I was like – the surly Girl Scout, like we're in a fantasy realm, like the Girl Scouts don't exist here. Like, okay, but it could just be Girl Scout, Correct. like a See? scout that is yes. a woman. Yes. Like, okay. And she's surly. And she's surly. And people make weird names for their taverns all the time. And I kind of went, I like, I rolled my eyes and I was like, no, you know what? This is happening. This is fine. This they, is fine. They want the surly Girl Scout in. They're getting the Surly Girl Scout in. And we did, and it was horrific. Oh, it was horrific. It was a horrific it was place the to stay. Worst, moldiest, mustiest hole in the wall they have ever stayed in. And so we moved the next day. And <laughs> but it was memorable. It was memorable, it, and it will stay it as memorable. a place and, and it will be in that town because we we named it and yep. therefore it's real. And everybody got kind of a kind of good chuckle out of it. It became a plot point and we moved right the hell on. So yeah. I, before we leave improv and kind of kind of close close this kind of stuff up. One of the things that we had talked about a little bit was possibilities. Mm-hmm. And uh you have to be prepared for possibilities and sometimes that requires you to think outside the box, but one of the things that kind of came to me in our discussions was that realistically when you're designing a scene or mm-hmm. or a, a chamber or whatever, you need to be prepared for the possibilities that they're not going to find what they're looking for or not do the thing. Like you were talking about yes. the key. Yes. And I thought that was a great example where players are going into a scenario and they were given an option to search a room. Mm-hmm. Now, you may say the key is in the safe. Well, they've got to find the safe behind the painting, behind the whatever. Right. It's know, imp- but, it. but it's an important plot point that they find the key. Correct. And this is then that's the important part of this. So you like, have to say – Okay, if they're searching, there's no reason why the key can't be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's not so important that it's there, that, sure. that the, all of the things have to fall in line. So you need to be prepared for that possibility, kind of like an escape room. Mm-hmm. You know, the players just need to leave the room. There's going to be all kinds of stuff in said room and, and things for them to do. So you need to be prepared for those possibilities that they may do those things. But only weigh in your mind the value of that against Moving them forward in the plot, not mm-hmm. not railroading. We'll get to that. Yeah, but, but moving them forward through that scene, right? Under understanding what's important about the scene and what isn't necessarily. Like you may have written in your notes that the key is in a safe, but you didn't bring the party's rogue with you because the rogue is being you know being a jerk and decided or maybe not to they're come sick along. from the night. Or yeah, or maybe that yeah, maybe that character's just not literally not there. Yeah. So that that thing in the locked safe, well, they're not going to get it now. So maybe it's in the dresser drawer. Well, they didn't search the dresser drawer, but they did search the cupboard. Guess what? The key is now in the cupboard. And yeah. you know what? That player's never going to know nope. that you moved it from place to place to place. And they're going to feel really, really good about themselves for having the insight to think in that cupboard. Oh, my God. If I think if I hadn't searched the cupboard, right. I would never have found that key. Exactly. And then you also have, like mm-hmm. I was just talking about with railroading, that's, I think, something to be exceptionally careful of. Right. That's it's, the far end of this. It's, it's so easy to take it too far and to to try and say no this is where i want this plot to go they need to go this direction and have your players just not enjoy it not mm-hmm. want to do that and i think that is where you you quickly devolve into a a a, a, a solid straightforward narrative um and that can get painful and can get very slow so so don't 
Don't try to do that. It's easy to fall into it. The, I think there's, there's an there's an aspect of yes and there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, if if your characters decide, well, okay, you want us to go into this dungeon, but you know, I'm really interested in the story about that that you know bride that's getting married to someone she didn't want to marry. Yeah. You know, we no, we want to tell that story. Right. You I know, mean, and, to hell with those bridesmaids and what they might not want to wear on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, inside joke with Kate here. We just had to keep her laughing. Um, you know, you you may you know, you may end up throwing away a handful of notes. You may, oh, you yeah. may not get to that dungeon, but you know, if they say, "Well, we're turning around and we're having this adventure over here," um, you may want to you may want to chase it. Yeah. You know. And I think there's certain aspects of like uh and this probably this probably delves back into that whole selecting your group point number 1 thing right, right. of Having a discussion prior to creating your game about what type of game your players want to play. Open world, straightforward plot, simplistic, dungeon right. crawl. Get it out on the table. Yeah, like if, if nobody wants to play a dungeon crawl and you line up a dungeon crawl for them, of course they're going to go chasing after that side plot because nobody wants to be in the dungeon. Right. You know? Or if they're like, we, we don't know what we want to do. Let's make it open world and see where it goes. Sure. Great. Be prepared for that. And be prepared to improv a lot if you do that. Yeah. But – one of the things you wrote on here in giant black lettering that is non-confrontational is don't panic. Mm-hmm. Shit's going to happen. This is a game. Enjoy yourself. You're all there to have fun. It's just supposed to be fun. One of the things I put in here before we get to to kind of wrap up on this, literally wrap up, mm-hmm. is your players are going to tell you how awesome of a time they had about something. And you may be like that. That was something I came up with on the fly, and it kind of felt stupid that I did it, or that, but it worked, and they enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Don't say that. Just accept the f and praise. Oh yeah. Learn from it. Learn what went good about that. What mm-hmm. what didn't work with it. And that's one of the things that we've done on a lot of our game sessions now. Yeah. Is that yeah. at the end of your session, one of the things you do is wrap up. And I I I witnessed one person do it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um Chris has done it uh, a couple of times, but we've kind of turned it into <laughs> almost like I I guess a positional art where we say, okay, you go through your players oh, and yeah. you say, did you have fun? Did you like a certain aspect about it? What didn't you like? What was your favorite thing that happened tonight? And you watch their face light up and they say that part that part where I saw that guy shove that kid mm-hmm. and I just snapped and I pulled my bow out and I put two arrows right in his chest just made me feel <laughs> like a like the big damn hero yeah. and everybody's sitting around the table going, "Yeah, that was amazing." And you yeah. all kind of get to re- relive that. Yeah. But then the second question you ask, yeah. that we both ask because I absolutely stole this from you. No, no, totally. Um is what could what was your pain point tonight? What could I have done different to make your gaming experience better? Yeah. And and I like how you in yours are directing it away from the other players. Mm-hmm. That it's not I didn't like what this person did or I didn't like this thing. You know, they might talk about the rules. They sure. might talk about some rule aspect that bothered them. They might talk about how the interaction mm-hmm. maybe bothered them or or something like that. But the idea is is that it's something to grow on. Yeah. As a storyteller. And it's it's not just for low points in the story because some of my, my, my players yeah. were doing that too where they were like, oh, I didn't like that the bad guy stabbed me. Well, well nobody likes that. But what I'm asking for right. is how can I grow as a storyteller to help make your gaming experience better? Exactly. Did we – did I allow too much bickering at the table? Did, uh, did Are you just not understanding my plot or did you find a certain aspect of the story disturbing or, or you know, whatever. Right. Just give it to me so I can I can help improve, you know. Yeah. And, and I think doing that 
is not only really effective as a storyteller to get that feedback and to do it right at the end of the game. Don't mm-hmm. wait. Like don't don't give it to them as a questionnaire they can do in later. Because yeah. you want that instant recall because by the time they get to the next session, they're not going to remember. Yep. No, by the time they get out to their car, the, the, the yeah. details may be fuzzy. Yeah, but you know, hopefully your games go in such a way that when you do that recall, as they're all going to their cars or, or getting on the train to head mm-hmm. back home or whatever, they're all like, yeah, you remember that one part? Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Oh, and they're all talking about yeah, it. Absolutely. And then the next time they come in, the, it's not in their minds because maybe it's been a month later. Mm-hmm. But you've got – you, you've got that to come back to every time and you remember and you've got your notes to say, OK, I need to work on this or yep. I need to do change this up. Yep. So uh, one one last thing about game wrap up that I, I don't have written down here on my notes, and that is the exact topic of notes. Right. Storytellers, new storytellers, learn from our fails, write things down. down. If it is an important NPC you made up on the fly, mm-hmm. jot them down. Jot their name and their profession. Nothing else. You know, if, yeah. if, if nothing else, do at least that. Yes. Um, because they will be like, oh, hey, let's go back to that blacksmith. What was his name again? Shit. Oh, God, I don't know. It was a month and a half ago, man. Right. Um, I like what Chris said, which was the moment that they're named, write it down. Write it down. Yes. Like the moment yes. you have to come up with a name for something, write that name down. Write something simple about it. But importantly, though, mm-hmm. write – and then, uh, like a D&D Beyond is really good for this because we, right. we play D&D 5th edition. I use D&D Beyond for it and it's got a campaign notes section mm-hmm. in the campaign is the very first thing I do either that night or the next morning. Mm-hmm. I will go in and write a like four paragraph recap of what happened in that entire game. All the major points. Yep. Um, and so that way we can begin the next game. First off, any of my players can reference that at any time. Mm-hmm. I can reference that at any time. Yep. And we begin the next game session by rereading that recap. Yep. So that everybody gets a real cuz it's been it's been a month. Between, it's like a show recap. Yeah. You, you want to do Previously that. Previously on Supernatural. Exactly. That's the kind of thing that people need because I I'm sorry, as I'm getting older, I'm not remembering much. Yeah. If I'm in multiple games, it makes it even more challenging. Well, look, we 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 all work at least 40 hours a week. We've we got, you know, uh, uh, some of us have families. And, some of us have medical know, issues that medical come in the middle issues. between it. Yeah, exactly. Holidays. There's there's a lot of stuff that goes on. And, you know, after a month of not being at the table, it's been 15 minutes for your characters. It's been 30 days for you. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, I mean, I don't know how many times that I've stepped into a digital game mm-hmm. that I haven't touched for a week or something. And I'm, I immediately go to the quest log. I'm like, what the hell was I doing? Oh, hell. I, like, I, yeah. I, 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 I have to restart Sekiro Shadows Die Twice at this point because <laughs> I have lost all my muscle memory while I was playing, while I was playing another game. Yep. Like, totally different. I, game. I just, I can't even get back in. Like, if yep. I can't even remember which buttons to push, you think I'm going to remember the story? Like, exactly. Exactly. So, no, I think. And there, there's definitely stuff that we've probably haven't covered that some of the storytellers who are listening who've been doing it for a long time are going to say, ooh, also this. Mm-hmm. Throw that in our Discord. Throw it in the Discord. By Help us means. out by it. Help everyone else by it. This is the whole point of this is we love the discourse that you have in our Discord. Mm-hmm. I love seeing when the questions come up and people <laughs> – People start answering or working on the questions in the question section. I'd really like you guys to move that over to the question discussion session. I appreciate that you're you're interested and sometimes you're asking each other questions. And but that's I fine. love the enthusiasm. It is very enthusiastic. 
I will try and continue to get push you guys over to the question discussion section because what helps us with is when we get to this point in the show, we can go through that very quickly and pull those questions out oh, of there yeah, and yeah. know what's a question for us to be asking on the show mm-hmm. and what's a question for the for, that's under discourse that we may want to turn into a show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so help us a little but at the same time keep it up it's been fantastic we love 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 going through that and and I'll and I'll just come out and say it this entire this entire show today happened because Knox in the box was on our discord yep and was making some slight rumblings that leaned in kind of the direction of maybe running his own game and I was like <laughs> all right well I have to I have to if you're teetering on the edge I'm going to reach out and give you a push buddy yep <laughs> so yep. All right. Speaking of questions, questions. we have questions. And we've got about 20 minutes, Ishi. So let's go ahead and jump right into those. So I will open up the table against you. All right. Uh, This is from Mad Elf. Uh, So without a tabletop game becoming a LARP session, how about a more detailed discussion on the use of objects, props, miniatures, tabletop scenery, the advantages and the challenges in comparison, the minimalist use of the materials beyond character sheets and dice? Okay. Jeebus. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's okay. a lot to take in. Yep. But if I personally, I would say the advantage of doing anything more than just paper, pen, and the mind's eye is helping people. I mean, Sean made it very clear that uh, with us that there are many reasons to add props, to add color, to add flavor to mm-hmm. your game that go beyond. Just that, adding color and flavor. Sure. Sometimes people need that as a guidepost. Sometimes people need it to help have a better understanding of what's going on. I know for me that when I'm playing a game that involves miniatures, it helps me see the combat much more clearly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that it makes the danger seem more realistic or less realistic mm-hmm. than I, I'm envisioning it in my own head. So I think that's definitely valid. I think the challenges in doing that is it can slow things down. It can bring it to a pace where people are like, oh, for God's sakes, the fighters are fighting and I'm just going to sit back here and twiddle my thumbs. You know, I, mm-hmm. I can't do anything. I'm not effective. And that can definitely slow things down. The other thing is, is the use of too much technology that it actually becomes a burden to yeah. get things moving when you're doing it. Yeah. Uh, I think those are all great points. Um, I would say uh, what comes to mind is is dependency. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, you know, like if you, if you are playing with miniatures and props and such like that regularly and, and terrain and whatnot, uh, the very next time you don't, you're going to be like, oh, well. Yeah. No, Sorry, you showed no your A game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like your boss. You, you don't walk in on your first day of work and do your yep. most amazing work because guess what? He's going to expect that every damn day. Yep. yep. So yep. Uh, yep. don't start with your A game. Don't start with the A game. Don't start with your A game. Uh, the other thing too is, I mean, you have to keep in mind that every single one of these external props or miniature or anything like that takes time. Yep. Can potentially take money. Yeah, there's there's a cost one way or another. Yeah. I mean, mind's eye costs nothing because all you got to do is just shut your eyes and imagine. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, printing Hero Forge minis and painting them and going to Home Depot and raiding it for a bunch of miniature supplies and foam and going home, taking that home and painting it and you got to make a trip to Michael's because you're out of Mod Podge and I could go on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you stop. Nope. You, you <laughs> just, let, just let me stop right I'm gonna there. I'm going to let you stop right there. But uh, – um, but yeah, it's it's it can it can get expensive and it can yeah. get really involved real quick. So 
Yeah. Weigh, weigh it against your time and your own efforts, I think. Yeah, it's it's mostly about finding your own balance. <laughs> um I, I think the the other thing too, and uh mostly because you know this this is dedicated to new storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um this this particular show. I will say that uh, there is an advantage to coming up with that sort of stuff mm-hmm. um, because – well, first off, you can delegate a little bit of it too. True. Um, and th- this is actually kind of I think one of, our, one of the other questions that might have gotten asked. Um, oh, yeah, uh, to, to, by, by Draven, a little bit further down the list. But okay. I'm, I'm not going to – we're not going to jump to the question. I'm just going to say this This kind of dovetails into the, into an answer to that question. All right. Um, for instance, the train – Why aren't you? Well, uh, because it's jumping past like two other questions. Well, we can come back to those. They're they're not in any order. Okay, come on, let's make this organic. All, All right. right. So, Draven, just just so you okay. guys are aware. Okay. Draven's asking. I'm curious about your thoughts on delegating DM tasks to players, and I I was interested to see where we were going to go mm-hmm. with this. For example, I often show a digital version of the map when I go into combat. I have players draw it out on a grid. I've heard other DMs leave it to the players to track enemy health. Do you do anything like that? And I do think this fits right into that. Uh, so what I was saying is like if you guys decide as a group that you do want to play with terrain and stuff, delegate it. Yeah. There's nothing stopping your players from creating little ruins, scatter terrain Heck or yeah. you know, little little barrels or rocks or something like that. Exactly. Um, one of our players brings a like fully built houses mm-hmm. and trees that looked spectacular yep. in our last game. Because um, he loves doing that. Time yeah, too. And, and honestly, just as a storyteller, I don't have time to make all that stuff. So, yeah. if if your players are willing to pitch in, and yeah. maybe they already have some of the stuff on hand, by all means, delegate that task out to them. I mean, if this was a you know, it, in in sports games, you know, who's weak is it to bring the oranges? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff always happens. But you you need to do that to make it a community, not just a DM who is now having to. I don't know, uh, be at the beck and call of his players. Right, know? right, right. And keeping in mind, too, that those are not resources that necessarily get used up. Right. So once you have a bucket full of scatter terrain to put on your brand shiny new little uh, little, little board right. with your grid you know, drawn out on it, yep. you've got it. Yep. That's it, period. Mm-hmm. Forevermore, you can use that unless yep. somebody does something like spills a beer on it or Lights something. Lights it on fire. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is, by the way, not an effect you should do. Just leaving that out. Highly discouraged. So this comes to then I would say this kind of does move into Matt Elf's other question, which was mm-hmm. how to determine and set up your play space. What factors go into decisions, number of players, space needed for equipment, you know, dice, poker chips, minis, stuff like that, laptop, tables, chairs, the the GM territory, audio quality of the space, room temperature, blah, blah, blah. Uh, biggest house so that we're not crammed in like sardines and has air conditioning. That's – I mean (laughs) – And is willing to host. For me, I think the play space is about having the space you need, Mm -hmm. having it be comfortable but Mm -hmm. not so comfortable that people are falling asleep, having it be available to what you need it to be. For instance, if I'm going to play Battletech, I'm not going to do it on a train. Yeah. There, yeah. you, you just can't do that kind of stuff. But I, I could probably do a and d game on a train, mm-hmm. you know, with one little rolling surface is all you need, really. Sure. But, you know, it's it's accommodating the system, accommodating the people, and accommodating the comfort level. And I totally agree with you, whoever's got the biggest house, you know, that is centrally located and that fits for what you're doing. You uh, the, the other the other thing to keep in mind too, and this is this is one of the, one of those things. Like, I I love playing at your place. Right. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but there's every single time I'm hauling stuff out to my car, I'm like, we're not playing I'm at my you. place anymore. Yep. No. Nope, but I'm with you. but I am very conscious that my place is not big enough to host six people and me. 
Comfortably. Comfortably. I mean, we could least. do it, but we it would, would be all be crammed in like sardines. Anybody needs to get up, get snacks, or go to the bathroom. We'd be crawling all over each other. It's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and, and I would say be accommodating mm-hmm. because things change. Sure. I mean, I, I've been in game sessions where we've been playing, and then somebody has an injury. Mm-hmm. So you may have to change venues. Sure. Like we've we moved to a friend's house because she was sick. Yeah. And we played we, – we were like, OK, well, we'll play on your couch. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it going to make it challenging? We don't often care. We'll, we'll work around that. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll get tray tables set up. People will bring food. No big deal. Yeah. The important thing is we wanted our friends to get together and play, you know, play a fun game. So I would say to determine and set up your play space, mm-hmm. it's not so much a setup. It's, it's a prepare for the best situation so that everyone can enjoy themselves and be heard. And be understood. You may have to shift at times. You may have to move people to certain positions because of things at the table. But it needs to be comfortable and it needs to be friendly yeah, for the environment. Absolutely. So, all right. All right. What else so, we got? Technolich. Technolich asks, how do you handle side communications from the DM to player, mm. uh, i.e. notes, text messages, take the player into another room, etc.? What works best and worst for your group? Uh, all right. Well – uh, I kind of do a little combination of all these things. Okay. I guess it depends on on the needs. Um, I have been known to do the DM whisper. Right. Uh, I have been known to take notes right. from you know past or you know around the table from somebody. Uh, I've received text messages. Uh, I have outright if it seems like it's going to be a whole side scene that you know mm-hmm. does not involve the other players, and I don't necessarily want to play that out in front of them. If I do want it secret for some reason, I will take them in the other room. Yeah, I, I always have. I take a little issue with the whole side room thing. Yeah, it's not something I like to use. Yeah, I don't mind passing notes. I don't mind getting the text messages. Mm-hmm. I don't mind that kind of stuff as long as it's limited. Mm-hmm. Has an is effective in either speeding up gameplay. Or helping with understanding. I think that's both good reasons to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think the whole pulling into another room thing, unless it is a major plot point and the person is doing something because they need either help. uh, Like, for instance, you've got a character, a player who might be struggling. And one of the things early on, as you said, you know, this you have this oracle ability that gives you a little bit of future sight. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe pull them to another room and be like, okay, what's going on? And they'll be like, well, I have no idea what's going on. Like I, I, I should have a better understanding. you know. So I, I pulled Oracle. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's what's going on that you know and paint the picture for them in a very vivid way. And then they can come back and they have a, a they feel a little bit and more rock look like a badass because they right. can walk in and go, this is this and that's that. And they're exactly. like, how do you know all this mystical stuff? Exactly, exactly. But I think as long as – the method that is being used is being used in a constructive way mm-hmm. and you don't have a player who's just constantly sending notes to the DM basically saying, uh, next round, I'm going to stab player B in the back and steal their money you know, or I'm pickpocketing this person even though we all agreed we weren't going to rob anything in town right, and I right. don't want my players to know. The answer is no. I- I'm going to say, OK, well, you know, I'm pickpocketing so-and-so. Everybody roll perception except for you. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, roll your skill. Okay. By the way, th- that guy's totally stealing shit right now. Yeah. Like it's not going to be a side thing because that's – the idea is is that it's actively happening in the scene. The players need to know about this. They also – that helps with role play. Well, it's it's also not D&D for one. Correct. You know, you've got three to five other people at the table table with you ideally. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, it gets it gets very trying for other people when they show up to a game and you've got one player who's constantly like, well, I do this. Well, I do that. Well, I do this. And they're passing you notes and just yeah. – I think that's it kind of goes with good storytelling is don't don't show favoritism. Yeah. It's a game for everybody. That's, that's like don't don't wrap game. your plots around that. Don't don't let them drag the plot in a specific direction. They they can have some plot, but don't focus hard on a player just because they're the loudest. The um the the one last bit of input I will give about the uh, the whole uh, take the player to the other room thing um is the obligatory mention of critical role for this episode. <laughs> You knew it was coming. Dude, are you advertising for them now? Is this a thing? To, are we not getting funded? Like, we need to talk about this. I'm working on a sponsorship here, man. If you just, you know, where, hey. you, where you are right now is on my back. And what I'd really <laughs> like you to be is off of my back. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, early on, he had a uh, – uh, Matthew had a big uh, plot reveal for one of the characters where he was having these dream sequences. Yeah. And he yeah. began that by saying, I would like everybody but this player to leave the table. Yeah. And they did. And he had this one-on-one scene for like 15 minutes or something like that where everybody was off in the green room or whatever. Right. And then he, he asked the staff to call them back and they, they all came back. And uh, they were talking about that a little bit later off camera and they were saying, well, you know, he's like in retrospect, I kind of – I regret kind of doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I not, – not that, you know, I – you know, but, but I, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. I think that was the wrong choice in the time. OK. Um, and simply because that was six other players that did not get to experience the game. Right. For that 15 minutes. The story, minutes. yeah. Yeah. And honestly, all that stuff's going to come out with time anyways. Yeah. And we're all adults at this table. They all know that they don't know what happened in this character's dreams. Right. So they're not going to bring it in game. Right. I trust them to do that. I don't need to ask them to leave the table and not experience my game for that time. I think that that comes into a lot of it that mm-hmm. we'll eventually get to with the like picking the right players is trust is a huge thing. Trust is a huge thing. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree with you on that. Okay. Technolich had a pretty decent question. Uh, I am pretty passive personality. Read occasionally doormat. Uh, how do you recommend dealing with pushy players? Oof. That is a very, very challenging question on multiple levels, and it kind of comes back to picking your group. And it also comes to what do you mean by pushy? There are players who are of different types. You've got the guys – or I should say the guys. You've got the players who know the rules back and forth and up and down and will will literally berate you because you don't know rule X at the table even though you're the storyteller and your thing is final. You've got your players who know the plot and know exactly what's going on even though you're the storyteller. You've got all kinds of groups and individuals and – and, and dynamics that can be very dominating. And I think one of the things you've got to be mindful of as the storyteller is you are the authority. At that table, what you say and what you do to move that story forward is law. And that's what you need to put down. It's not a matter of them being pushy. You can just be silent while they're being pushy and stare at them with that you know 50-yard stare like you done. Are you done? Because when you're done, it's my turn. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you how it's going to go. And they're going to – all they can say is, well, I don't want to play anymore. And the answer is, then okay. don't. Bye. If you're Bye, not Felicia. enjoying, If you're not enjoying yourself because I'm not enjoying myself and you're clearly having the rest of the players not enjoy themselves because you're being this 
overburdening person who's literally pushing the entire game in a direction, then maybe that person shouldn't be at your table. Maybe that maybe they just need to be in another game. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because the idea is, is that everybody has a good time. And that includes you as a storyteller. Don't don't ever let people walk all over you. No, I, I I will I will add one other thing to this, and that is just um, don't be afraid. I mean, yeah, I mean, you definitely need to put your foot down sometimes, but at the same time, don't be afraid to have a little self reflection as well. Um, there, there's a difference between pushy and enthusiastic. I agree, and I think recognizing that difference is very important because yep. the sometimes the reason somebody gets pushy is because something is important to them, and they're no, not I agree. they're not having. If, if they're getting pushy about it, it's because they're not having the experience that they want at your table. And rather than just put your foot down sometimes and, – and again, this is recognizing a fine line. Absolutely. Yeah. There are times when you should and and absolutely must put your foot down. Right. OK. So this is not saying that anything Rob just said is wrong. But it may be good to take a moment just to say, did I mess this up? Right. Is there something I could do in this instance to make this player's experience better? And right. instead of maybe putting my foot down and saying, well, that's just the way it is, like it or leave it, right. say, OK, what did you expect to happen here? Right. What was the outcome you were hoping for mm-hmm. so that I can better understand why this whole situation agitated you and made you pushy in the first place? Right. Because if I can better understand your wants and needs in this story, if I understand the type of story you're trying to tell with this character in this world, right. then I can help you tell that story. Um, Sean and I actually had a very good discussion um, uh, off the uh, b- between games mm-hmm. a couple days ago. We we're just going out for pizza, and uh, we were idly discussing my game, and he said something effective like, "Well, you know, I did want to hire that mage." But uh, as is my personal personal accolade guy, but you poo pooed that idea, and I guess you just didn't want me to. And I was like, well, no, it's not that I didn't want you to. It's just I don't really understand the point of why you wanted to hire just some random NPC. Right. What do you want NPCs for? Right. And he says, well, I'm I'm a noble, and I'm trying to build a business, and I want to be able to hire them out to take care of things for me because that's what my character does. I'm trying to explore the benefits of having a high charisma character right? and use my leadership uh, and, and high charisma and, and noble station as a benefit to the group so that they can take care of all the little menial tasks so that we can take care of the heroic stuff. And I'm like, well, when you phrase it like that, right. that's but some, amazing. But sometimes you got to step away from the table and have that conversation. Right. So I 100 percent agree mm-hmm. with you on that. I think there is definitely a time to step back and talk to that person and have a conversation with them about what they're going for. Yep. Um, but again, there's a difference between enthusiasm and pushing a story in a direction and trying – and from a player's position, trying to railroad the party as a leader. Mm-hmm. And – if they're doing it as a character and it's not as their leadership and they're like, my character's pushing us this way, you know, okay, make sure that everybody at the table understands that. Yep. That's another thing because I, I, I have watched games where people have been rail, their character has been railroading mm-hmm. because they are on a, a vindictive, you know, courageous or, or, or justified journey. 
But when they step back and they're talking to the rest of the players, they're like, by the way, this wasn't my thing. This is my character's thing. So if you guys don't like it, feel free to tie him up in the corner and tell him to shut the hell up. Right, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> and I think that's that's also like a very good point is yeah. don't be afraid to break character and go, guys, I know this is getting heated. Are we all cool? Yeah. Because this is my character being a jerk, not me. We're We're good. Yep. All right, good, good, good. Game on. Yeah, and I, th- I think that is something that we should start stepping into. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think I'm going to take I'm gonna, – we're going to do something weird. We're oh. going to do something weird. We're going right. to step away from these questions. All right. Our next week topic is blank. It is. We have nothing. It is. We, we actually utterly failed <laughs> we to discuss totally what failed we We're to talk about week. what we're going to do next week. So This is at the beginning of the end, The Rob. beginning of the end for all of us. <laughs> so I think based on where we kind of went with today, maybe next week we start talking about players. I think it's a good move. I, I think, think we've got a, a couple of different shows that we're going to talk about. So we'll come up with some catchy title for it. But effectively, let's talk about where we want to go with players. And I'm going to do – a little bit of, I guess, Discord searching with you folks. Let's take a few, I, I guess, laps on the Discord and see what people want out of this. So I'm going to ask Discord this question. For those of you who have listened, for those of you who got into the uh, – who, who have who have heard us live and or are um, getting into our – uh, our discussions as a group. What would you like to hear? Would you like to hear us talk about types of players that we like getting or what to do once a group gets formed and how to kind of figure out players? Mm-hmm. You know, what kind of player questions do you have as storytellers? You know, have you made a group? Have you been part of an existing group that's had problems? You know, Throw us some questions about players in specific and we will craft a new topic around this and we'll drive right into it. Maybe we'll just do questions all next show. That That would be weird. Great idea. Um, I mean I think think we made it pretty clear we could could monologue for a good while on it. But – you know, I think it's uh, yeah, definitely. If we can make this a lot more, um, you know, interactive, I suppose. Yeah, why not have a good great? Interactive I, I would episode. love, to, I would love to have that uh, speak directly to uh, to our listeners' concerns and such like that. So. Yeah. So, I think, in a strange way, we kind of hit this show at a good pace. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think we're all ain't, set. Ain't that a little crazy? Well, all right. Well, uh, I guess uh, we will see you all next week. Uh, I do want to thank everybody for joining us you tonight. Can, you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, Instagram, which is just st underscore conclave, and of course, if you're on our Discord, you're doing it right. If you're not, get on our Twitter and click the link. I want to also uh, thank our uh, people who made our intro music and our outro music. Our intro is Beyond the Warriors by Gooey Frog, and our outro music is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find those tracks and so many great more ones uh, on freemusicarchive.org. We record everything here at Podcast Detroit, uh, which you can find at Podcast Detroit on Twitter. Our engineer is Kate, and we love her, even though she has all kinds of crazy problems that we don't talk about on the show. Maybe that'll be a show one day. <laughs> the shoes. The shoes. Uh, but we'd also like to thank our families. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Sean, for letting us do this. And all of our friends who make our games so great. Good night, everybody. Good night.